This is gonna be fucking fun. Welcome to Word Hole Media presentation of Major League Holes in the Hole and Sock Stop Thing. I'm Ryan. You are in the hole with Major League A Holes and Socks Type Thing. I'm going to start a new thing uh, now that we're in 2024. I'm going to give out our web addresses. We are on, on the web at MajorLeagueAholes.com. We are also at SocksTypeThing.com and Aesthetics.shop. A S S T H E T I C S.shop where you can get our merchandise. Buy some so- shit. Yeah, we're on social media at uh, pretty much everywhere at Major League A-Holes and at Socks Type Thing. Check out our YouTube page, our blowing up YouTube page. We're getting subscribers. We're getting all sorts of views. Uh, that's kind of where we've seen the biggest growth in this podcast, whatever this is. Uh, so, yeah, check out our YouTube page. We can see these. We cut up all the clips from the podcast and just repurpose them on YouTube so you can digest a, us in smaller, smaller bouts, smaller pieces. Is it like a vidcast then or what? I don't know what you call it. We'll have to consult the cool kids to figure out what yeah. all that kind of shit. Vlog, that's the call. Oh, yeah, like vlog. Years. Yeah. It was yeah. like five years ago. I don't think, I don't think anyone vlog. calls it that, ball that anymore. But anyway, get that out of the way. Uh, yeah, we've got our first episode of February in 2024. Uh, I believe pitchers and catchers report in less than two weeks. Yeah, just, yeah. I know the Tigers' first spring training game is on my birthday on February 24th, so we're just over three weeks away from that. So things are ramping up. It's going to be warm this weekend. The sun's going to be out for the first time. I feel like this year. So it's sunny and 50 in the Chicagoland area today. I mean, good. Yeah, we're in the 40s here in Mich- mid Michigan, but it is. I've not seen the sun in six weeks. So <laughs> taking my vitamin D gummies to replenish my whatever that is. With, but with my weed in it. <laughs> no, I had to stay. <laughs> I've had some bad issues with that lately. So I'm out. Regardless, we've got major White Sox news to talk about since our last podcast. You've got a potential new stadium, Sox Park 3.0, as I like to call it. Lots to talk about there. There's, there's, that's, that's a fascinating subject. We've got a new voice of the Sox to talk about too. I, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. We haven't even discussed this at all. Um, you've got other things going on with the Sox too that I'm sure you're going to bring up. Oh, Sox Fest 25 was announced. Yes. Too. Yes. Uh, the long drought is over. Meanwhile, on the north side of town, Cubs aren't technically hibernating i wouldn't say anymore they've made a couple moves i've got some thoughts on what's happening over there uh the mlb pipeline rankings came out and the cubs were viewed very favorable favorably there in fact you might call them the farm system champions we'll get into that as i've as i've mocked your white Sox years ago but we'll talk about that the tigers made a surprise signing this week uh i was kind of stunned by it actually of colt keith i'll get into the details of that i'm even going to surprise you over there pete with a a, an a's segment could the a's be disbanded before they even make it to oh wow interesting Uh, yeah that's the proper reaction to that so I'll, i'll break that down and we'll end the show with a very underwhelming aesthetics 
as the Yankees, Marlins, and Nationals all release new uniforms. That fairly underwhelming. I think we might have a lot of middle fingers down for that, but maybe not. Maybe not all, but we'll see. Hopefully, we get there at some point. We're, we're off to a strange start for this episode already, but <laughs> we've got plenty of time. We're starting early out here on a thirsty Thursday. Uh, I've got a I've got a surly furious over here. You've got a war pig, is it? Yeah, is war it? pigs, foggy geezer. Named Sounds the about right. geezer butler. So ah, all right. I say we go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents this week in baseball well uh we we started talking about the possibility of this uh new stadium for the white Sox uh, last episode and it's it's really starting to gain a lot of traction legitimacy with the yes. chicago sometimes actually reporting they're in serious talks with the city yeah, they're in serious talks with the city. Now renderings have been released. I was a little disappointed. It isn't. It is not a retractable dome as some of the original uh, leaked stories had it. Okay. Uh, yeah, you uh, and I were partying in Chicago, out in the suburbs, a couple weekends ago, and you and I were talking about that. I had not seen anything about the retractable roof aspect of it, but you, yeah. I guess, the earlier ones had shown it, but I didn't yeah. see those. So. But so that's off the table. Or who knows? That, well, right who now. knows if it's really yeah. some, it's a rendering that that the development company did for them. I love, I love renderings, though. Well, yeah, when you look at it, you know, there's like there's the rendering for the White Sox, and then there's, um, then there's a rendering for uh, like museum that they pitched going there. So this development company's pitched other people besides the White Sox. Well, it's like the last, this is the 78 is the area, yes. undeveloped area in the South Loop. Uh, 60 acres. It? Yeah, it's at Roosevelt and Clark. Yeah. Um, it's it's literally the last piece of Chicago that's been undeveloped. It's had a, a weird history that the whole city could, could develop around it over 200 years. And this remains grass and dirt right next to the, right next to the river. I think there's been some weird ownership of that real estate. There's been some shady ownership, uh, international ownership that ran into legal issues several times when different deals were supposedly struck and then fell apart. So I think we're a long ways from the finish line, but it sounds like the city wants this to happen. I, we know Rob Manfred wants it to happen. Yes. He had comments about that this week, didn't he? Yeah. He had comments about it this week because he's behind it 100% because I'm glad you're sitting down for this. Jerry Reinstorf has assured him that it will not be tax dollar funded. That's <laughs> I, I saw that. And that is that's a that's, of course, misleading because it's no additional taxes is is what is what they're saying. Actually, they're not going to add taxes. The, the current taxes that Chicagoans, Illinoisans are paying for Sox Park 2.0 are just going to continue it's not, and it's not at all citizens either. It's like a hotel tax. Uh, they're trying to get uh, tourist dollars to, to help pay for it, but it, that's, well, that's yeah, the I same deal that's paid that paid for the current Sox park. So yeah, as I, I understand it, I also think part of it too 
like when you see the rendering, I mean, it's going to be a destination. I mean, well, it, and then, it, it totally flips the the script on what the White Sox have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, by their by their own accord, by Jerry Reinsdorf's own decision making. Yeah. It's like a redo of the rendering that was originally done when they were redoing White Sox Stadium, where they were gonna sell all that land around it to to put in like make the White Sox a destination, so yep. you could hang out afterwards and things like that. And he said, "No, I want to keep all the money in the park." <laughs> this time, the whole area is completely developed with like a I think a there might be a hotel and then. Um, like restaurants and and, and bars. Oh yeah, and for sure. It looks. That, that, I mean, the renderings and renderings are always amazing. I mean, remember how good the 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 current Ranger Stadium looked in the renderings and what yeah. an actual what reality yeah, it was all, it was all the reality glass. is not it's not the renderings. Holy shit! I mean, yeah, Texas the Ranger Stadium that was all glass and iron and it's yeah basically looks like a an aluminum tool shed from how it actually turned out. But yeah, I, so we'll see with that. The, I think the, the the location itself is is the draw as much as anything. Like, essentially, get, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's essentially 20 blocks straight north of the current ballpark because you're at 35th. Yeah, yeah, you're still. This is at the, like 12, or 16th, I think. 16th. Okay, so 15 yeah. blocks, 20 blocks. Um, yeah. Just being that in the South Loop, which is one of the hottest areas of the city, a lot of. A lot of new development. Uh, very accessible to downtown. Not that Sox Park wasn't unaccessible, but it's walkable from downtown. That's 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 the key part. You're like you're like you're a tourist. You're in town. Mm-hmm. You're staying downtown. It's actually more convenient. <laughs> it would be more convenient to go to a White Sox game than a Cubs game. Oh yeah, uh, yeah sure. it, 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 I, I agree. It, yeah, for yeah, sure. If, if that's what it turns out to be, so I. I think alone, like the, like I said, the rendering is fucking beautiful. Like the way it's opened is if you were sitting behind home plate, you would just have the city skyline as your backdrop. Well, and that's, uh, that's something I've always complained about. It's, it's hilarious that the, the current White Sox ballpark was built. So it faced at the time, the Robert Taylor home. Right. So now, exactly. now you see just a vast expanse of sky facing South Southeast. Yeah. Insane that it was not like turned to take advantage of the most beautiful skyline in North America. That always made me laugh. Um, yeah. You gotta give, you gotta give the Cubs uh benefit of the doubt because they built their stadium a hundred years before that skyline developed the way it is. Whatever. Always. <laughs> Always cutting them some slack. <laughs> but uh, I did hear a story, and this may not be true, or maybe I misunderstood it, but I heard Dan Bernstein on 6-7 to the score mention the whole reason that was facing that direction is because, of course, it had to be built across the street from the original Comiskey Park. But Jerry wanted to keep the same address, the same street address. Like she, He wanted it at 35th and Shields. And apparently if you turn the stadium to face downtown, it would change the address. So that was the whole decision was made based on that. So well, that I just seems... he doesn't care about that address anymore because he's yeah. ready to move to the South Loop. Yeah, I mean, it just, it sounds absurd to me, but boy, I mean, a lot, a lot of the decisions that were made on that stadium were fairly absurd, so. I, I, I will say though, like it's very exciting and I'm, I'm for it, but there is a, there's a bit of sadness 
to um and you are the perfect person to talk about this and and, and, it, and it's it's you know me and you know baseball fans chicago baseball fans everyone that likes to see new things you know this looks awesome on so many levels but you have you have such a you know, being a Sox fan, but you have an even deeper connection to to the current ballpark. Yeah, I mean, my entire Italian side of the family grew up in Bridgeport. You are I, Bridgeport. Yeah, you are I, it. I remember um, uh, going to my my uncle lived right on the other side of Armor Park, which is that park that's that park and tennis courts that's right by just north, just north. Yeah, so he was yeah. just right there, and I. I can remember when we would go over there and hang out there and then the Sox would be playing and the fireworks would go off. I would just go out to the front porch and like watch it. And you could see the stadium from his front porch. And, you know, there's just, there is a, I get it. And I think they should do it. I think it's only makes the, it's, it's Reinstar's legacy. Yeah. Um, it also, when it's time, when it, when it does get sold, it's going to make selling the team even easier. Um, but well, and that, that's the biggest thing behind yeah. it, I think is selling the team eventually. You know, Cause he has said that in his will that are his, at least his family has said they will be selling the team once he dies. So he's leaving a legacy, leaving, leaving the, the city and the franchise in, in a better space, better mind space than, than where he got it. Um, yeah. I think but, that's, that's the idea. But when you look at it from like tradition and a neighborhood and, uh, and an in, I mean, so many people who live in, I'm not that they can't take a red line over to the, to the new place, but I mean, so many people just walk to work there that that's like their summer income, whether they're teachers or whether they just make some extra income. Um, you know, moms, moms who probably don't work all year, go over there and work in the summer and make extra money for the family. And, and then all the, all the different restaurants and things that probably get a lot of visitors after Sox games in that that's all going to be affected. And, and that's things that don't always get considered. Um, The question you'd be able to answer better than, than anyone or better, certainly better than I, but, do I mean you're wearing the T-shirt right there, South Side? I mean you're only moving twenty blocks north, but yeah, South Loop south is side. South Loop is still very different than Bridgeport. I yeah. mean you start you start to lose the South Side identity. That I mean you're kind of describing it right there. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if you do really because uh, if you walk around over there, I mean it's not like it's not like it's all like super. Fat, like developed like to obviously not since there's 60 acres available but well, it you know, but it's it just it you're still to me you're still south side you're on the other side of you're on the south side of madison yeah i mean technically um, for sure but it, it's gonna have a totally different feel like you are in in the middle of the city which is awesome i mean that that that's yeah you're not in a neighbor you're not in a neighborhood anymore which does uh which is a completely different feeling i mean and that's, not, that's well, you been, are in the neighborhood because there are, there's a lot of, but not like a, like a, it's like. Not it's the neighborhood you've been in for 120 years. No, so exactly. That's, that's and idea. that's really, truly a neighborhood, mm-hmm. it, but it's going to be more like, it's going to be a lot like what 
when you look at the renderings, if you haven't looked at them, go look at them. It reminds me of exactly what the Ricketts did with Wrigley Field. There's actually the one rendering has a video screen, oh, a yeah. giant screen that faces the plaza. Oh, so sure. If you're yeah. just walking, you can you can see the game. Yeah. So um because like when I go to <laughs> You know, having lived in Wrigleyville when I when I first moved to the city and and living down the block from the ballpark, that was a neighborhood, uh, and it felt like a neighborhood. And no, it's it Schaumburg. Feel as much as a neighborhood anymore. It certainly is still, but yeah, but it yeah. feels much more like Schaumburg than it ever did. Before, like you know, even five years ago. I'm not kidding. Like still to this day, when we pull into that area, I just have to do a double take every time it's like it's just so bizarre looking yeah Not i did that when i was uh, back in town this summer for the guns and roses show at wrigley like i just was walking around I was walking quickly or trying to get out of <laughs> as i could because 104 degrees that day but yeah uh yeah it's stunning how different that is so yeah i, I guess the other question for you you could answer better than than i or most what is it going to be harder to get to the ballpark than it, than it is now? People are saying it's easier, but I, I would think there's so many Sox fans that come from the South suburbs that would just take the Dan Ryan right, right to the ballpark. You know, of course it's still easily accessible by train. It's probably, you know, can't be any easier. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's is, you, but, yeah, you get off at Roosevelt and it's a four block walk. Yeah. I mean, so. I got off at 35th and Shields and it yeah. was one block walk. So. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah. So I'm yeah. a I'm a train goer. I'm a I'm a pedestrian. I'm not a driver. Um I'd probably think about a divvy bike that would all be easier just slight, you know, certainly walkable from from the loop itself to the south loop. Um so those are positives, but so many people drive. I mean, you've got massive parking lots all around current Sox Park. There would be plenty of parking. It sounds like they they'd be doing a below ground parking structure of some sort. Uh there's got to be more than that. Well, there's there's so much parking in that vicinity anyway. You wouldn't even have to use White Sox parking if you didn't want to. Is there that much? I mean, you're yeah, because I would think there'd be a lot less than what you've got now. I guess well, you just gotta again, you've gotta just walk a little bit. Well, if you're not opposed <laughs> to walking, you know. I mean, I'm not shit. Other... You're not even that far. Like if you used, if you used, I mean, it, it, I would actually well. Okay, it'd be probably like a 20-minute walk, but you could yeah. use the museum campus and still get over there. Sure. Well, I guess the other part that where I was and going And there's a with, metro train you can get to there. Where I was going with that question is like, is this the end of tailgating before Sox games? Which is I a, say a 100%. I think that I think that's a huge loss. I mean, that, that's so different than what you could then, you know, the Cubs experience. You go to bars and go to the ball game, you know, that that which is cool in and in and of itself. But if you want to tailgate before a baseball game, you go to the south side. That's a that's a whole different experience that is awesome in its own way. So I think that would be going away. It's over. Yeah. So there's lots of positives for sure. I think there's still lots of reasons to be a little bit dubious about you know, if this is actually going to happen or how it actually turns out. But there are negatives to consider as well. That's why I think you're uniquely qualified to, to discuss these. What what I'll say to you is, um, I'm going to quote Star Trek, the needs of the many <laughs> outweigh the needs of the few. So Live long and prosper. <laughs> there you go. I mean, <laughs> nerd alert. 
like I said, I'm 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 more I'm more uh, the tailgating, yay or nay. I don't do it that much. We did. A, I think you and I did. It wasn't last year. It was two years ago. I think. Oh well, yeah, with with Robin Briefly. when when we got our sponsorship and I got yeah, we were just drinking beers. We weren't cooking food or anything. The game, remember? Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But then I woke up like in a thundering cheer as if I had been awake the whole time. <laughs> That's how you do it. But yeah, so I mean, you and I have both enjoyed tailgating. You've done it way more than me. So if you're ready to ha- you know, let that go, I think anybody could. So Yeah, I mean, I like to like if I go opening day, I think tailgating's fun cuz you meet up with people and stuff like that. But when I when when we just go on a daily basis like yeah, you don't. Or like that. a regular like weekday. And plus the food, here's 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 always been the problem with like tailgating. It's like part of the reason you tailgate is you save money by like bringing your own food and grilling it. But I'd rather just spend the money and eat the food in the park cuz it's so fucking good. So good. it's like it's like shit. I mean, and again this year Smitty, let's be honest. You and I are sitting in fucking suites again cuz these tickets are going to be dirt fucking cheap. <laughs> <laughs> It's another year of living large on the yeah. south side. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that for sure. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just an interesting question. It's an interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what what I will say, um, I think they are going to lose, and I think this is what you were getting at. They are going to lose a little bit of their identity. What 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 made them unique? in chicago they're gonna lose that but they're getting the tailgating um a little bit of the south side a little bit of the south side neighborhood you know you're you're gonna have to you can't walk over to rick and benny's and get that brilliant breaded steak sandwich anymore after the game you're gonna have to cork and carry yeah cork and carry at the park or any of those bars but who knows maybe cork and carry at the park will be cork and carry at the park in the new spot that the people who own that have a shit ton of money so it'd be smart to do that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a problem but like what what is you know though a lot of those bars that ended up opening up like right outside the park right right after you get through armor park you wonder what i don't think the neighborhood can support that oh yeah i think that would be the end yeah so a lot of those places end up closing down unless something new happens with the current footprint of Sox park well Uh, that and and that's a that's a whole nother question that you know seeing as that is state facility owned mm, what are they going to do with it do the bears move there yeah i mean that's they're still if the bears move there they got to knock the whole fucking thing down i mean like so yeah i I f- that's that's one thing we didn't really talk about is the fear for fear for the residents of Bridgeport. Like what what happens to that whole neighborhood then? You know, where is that just a desolate place that people don't go? Other, you know, other than <laughs> think about how many people were going there for Sox games. How what a staple that's been for again 120 plus years. Now it's all now it's would be radically different. So yeah, I I. I that's what I was like, that's what I was alluding to. Like it's going to affect the infrastructure of that entire neighborhood. If they, if they do move, there are going to be restaurants. I mean, Rick and Benny's will not be one of them because they're like, uh, they've been nationally, you know, covered. So people like go out of the way to go there. But, um, 
there are other restaurants there that I'm sure are going to just go out of business because a lot of their, some of their income, a portion of their income is um, because of White Sox games. So, well, it certainly was a well-timed announcement considering how negative the news has been for two, three years uh, to have a, a positive note, you know, how excited people got about potential new stadium in the South Loop. And of course, this wouldn't be until 2029. Is that, is that yeah, the, I believe uh, that's correct. Or 20, yeah, 2029. So I mean, your lease runs through 2028 and your current yeah. ballpark. So yeah, then we're talking way down the road. Well, five years isn't, isn't all that far, but yeah, I was just thinking 20 years ago, you and I were working in, in the loop uh, Jackson and Wells, we went to plenty of Sox games. We would just head right down you know, the red line or jump in your car and drive down. How cool to be working in the loop, just walking to a fucking game in the South Loop right there. But I know. I don't know how many people actually work in the loop anymore. I mean, the whole world has shifted since then. So maybe it's not as. That building's still running. It's open. There's people in it. Our old building. Oh, yeah. I go by it all the time. It's right by Union Station. So I check every time I come into the city, I'm going by it. But, but like I was saying to you a couple weekends ago, like I could probably, I could basically walk. I mean, it'd be a little bit of a walk, but I could walk. I could walk there all the way from you. Yeah. In in Wicker Park. Oh, your office. Yeah. Yeah. You're on. Are you on Michigan? I'm on on Clark, (laughs) Clark in Illinois. Well, you're straight south right there. Yeah. So, well, I think it's it's going to be fun to talk about for the next five years. Yeah, um, it's, I'm sure there'll be. It's all it's all like uh, cupcakes and rainbows right now, yeah, but I'm sure be there'll of, be plenty of drama involved. A lot of twists and turns as we get into how this is financed. Uh, get into the the nitty gritty details of how that all works. I do want to remind you, I, I had this written down for the current Sox Park deal. What a sweetheart deal that. Was and how infuriating it is to other, anyone that's not a Sox fan probably. But for the first 10 years, the White Sox didn't have to pay rent if the yeah, attendance I mean, was below $1.2 million. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Though. So you they paid nothing on the field. <laughs> so they were actually incentivized to not have a good team. Like yeah. I, not be interesting to the fans. I was annoyed by that when that news came out um, because I did think that he continued to put mediocre product on the field. Well, it explains a lot. I mean, they, they, let's see, was 10 year 91. Yeah. To two. So that's 91 to 2001, but they did have a really good team in 94, but the strike happened. So. Well, then, well, yeah, that, that changed a lot of things I'm sure. But, um, you had a good team in 2001. Yeah, but that was on the cusp of it. That was the last. So he, I guess he didn't. I guess he didn't totally tank. Was 97 was what the white flag? Uh, you tell me. I South can't Side remember Boy. Now. Yeah, Southside Boy can't remember. I think 97 <laughs> was the white flag. You do currently still just pay 1.5 million in an- annual rent the stadium. So. He's a negotiator. Well, that makes me wonder, like, what this new deal is going to look like i, I mean maybe he doesn't care because he will be selling it he's only trying to prop up the value to and uh increase his legacy but, but don't you don't you think the sale of the team would hold even more value if he actually owned the ballpark 
Yeah, and that's that's certainly yeah, it would absolutely yeah. And, and it's and, it's where you see the value of the Cubs has skyrocketed. It was going to anyway, but it, it doubled just because it's a franchise and they own the ballpark. That's why I I think he I. I I feel that the comment of not funded by tax dollars is the idea that he's actually going to, f- he has the money to do it. That they're does he though? Own- oh, he does. Yeah. Okay. They're going to own the stadium. That's what I think. That's a and, lot. And that would be this his, is, and that would be his legacy. This is multiple billions of dollars we're talking about now with the, with the land and, and the building and the uh, entertainment district that would be adjacent. But you figure he owns the stadium and obviously then I'm sure you could work out something where like maybe he owns the stadium, but it's not like the Ricketts who bought everything up around him, And then someone else manages the commercial side of it. So whatever. I I don't want to get into that. That, Yeah. That's We've got let's five talk, years to talk about that. We've, let's we've, talk about baseball. Let's keep talking about baseball. <laughs> we've taken a lot of time to talk about Sox Park 3.0, but you've yeah. got other positive news to talk about there on the south side. Yeah, we got, uh, finally, last week, uh, Smitty posed a question. Have you guys announced a play, or not last week, a few weeks ago when we were on, have you announced a play-by-play guy? And I said, no, I, I think Steve Stone's going at it alone. But I almost yeah. forgot about it. You needed a new voice of the White Sox because we hadn't heard anything about it. Quite but simple. John, uh, am I going to pronounce this right? Schiffen? I can't help Schiffen? you, man. I have no idea. S-C-H-R-I-F-F-E-N, John Scherfen, is uh, is the new voice of the White Sox. Um, Did you know who he was before this announcement? When I heard him talk, he sounded familiar, but it's hard to tell because he does have one of those voices that That's- is... Exactly what I was going to say. John Q broadcaster. He sounds like yeah. every new broadcaster over the last 10 years. They, they he, all kind of have the same, same voice. Yeah. He's, he's, he has an interesting background. You know, he actually started off as just like a hardcore news person. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a good working, morning, he was a good morning America correspondent. Yeah. Working in New York and that. And then for the last four years, he's worked for ESPN and he's called He's done play-by-play on like college basketball and things okay, like that. Yeah. The, the one of the more interesting storylines from it that I thought, and I just never gave this much thought. He's only the second. He's biracial, so he's he's half African American. He's only the second African American play-by-play broadcaster that's, in the history of MLB baseball. That's crazy. And the that, only other that's guy awesome. Is, it's crazy that 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 that's second yeah the only other guy is currently in seattle david sims so it's only recently that that's even occurred so kind of always been an old boys club finally Uh, they're breaking through and that's one thing i rip on we rip on jerry all the time but he he is all about diversity and so many levels and this is just another example so that that's super cool that he's trying to help break down that barrier there was some interesting um so I think that a little more light has been shed on the Benetti situation mm. because do tell. Well, so when I was reading this article, uh, the the new guy, uh, whatever John, we'll call him. We'll just say John. John, John uh, mentioned that uh, part of the part of him taking the job um, is that he was able he was going to make the White Sox his priority and not and and broadcast 
basically be in the broadcast booth for all the White Sox games and then work in at ESPN in the off season. Yeah, and we where, talked about that when Benetti was, you know, he's he's a national presence. He's yeah. he has college football, college basketball, all sorts of stuff. And he was he was gone asking for more and more time off to pursue those interests. So I, I, I could see I could see why that would be appealing to the White Sox where they don't have to have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, well they said they they were they were they nixed anyone who wasn't going to who needed to be on the move a lot during the yeah. the baseball season. So that's their prerogative. Uh, I understand. Yeah. I mean, we could rip on them if you want, but I, I think that's, I think that's legit. I mean, it's, it wasn't great for Benetti's position, but he's in such a unique spot, you know, being a, a day-to-day baseball broadcaster, but having so many other jobs as well. Not everyone has those opportunities that he has. So it just yeah. eventually wasn't a good fit. So this sounds like a much better fit. Yeah. Um, I do have a concern though. Um, mm. When I was watching his little video, he said he's a foodie and he, he likes to eat food and he likes to try ballpark food. And I, I mean, I get worried that's going to get him off the air in probably about two, <laughs> two three years because I know Benetti eating on the air was not a uh, – Ryan Sturf did not like Benetti eating the food on the air. So he didn't, he didn't like that and he didn't think Jason was funny. So hopefully yeah. this guy is fucking funny. <laughs> he's like a clown. Either, either he's fucking funny or just plays it straight yeah. uh he seemed I, a little bit like we talked about a little little milk toast little yeah. john Hugh generic yeah. broadcaster he has no ties to chicago that i could i could find he's isn't no. he from new york yeah he um he did um there's no chicago ties he did i did read that he went to have dinner with steve stone and it was supposed to be like a you know, hour long dinner and they were together for over three hours. And I think that was part of like what they hit it off apparently. And then he asked, he asked Stoney if like, even if I don't get the job, can we still keep in touch? And he gave him his information. And that's cool. I think that was like the seal, the deal. He also had to have dinner with Jerry. So I'm sure that was a blast. (laughs) I think mentioning stone is the key to all. I think it doesn't matter who your play-by-play guy is because Stone is so fucking good. It's yeah. almost like it's almost like if anybody can just get out, you know, set him up, ask the right questions, and have Stone roll. That yeah. that's that's going to be a great broadcast, no matter no matter who's doing play-by-play. So yeah, I think I think certainly somebody that you know doesn't necessarily have Chicago ties, you know, didn't grow up a White Sox fan, he's, he's going to play a deferential role to Stone. You know, just just doing the doing the basics and setting him up for for yeah to show his brilliance. I, it could be a perfect combo. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, you know, let's see how it goes. He he seems like a cool dude. And one thing he did say that I thought was really awesome is because he has that journalistic news background. Mm. Like he was going to really get to know the players and and ask them questions and be down at the batting cage and bring that information to the people on the air. That's interesting. So they can get to know the players better. And I'm like, dude, if you, if you do that, I mean, that's gonna like, that's gonna take the, the broadcast in a, in an even cooler direction. Yeah. That's a new, new and interesting direction. I hadn't considered, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if, you know, I'm sure he'll have the access. We'll, we'll see if that's how it goes, but 
I think it'll be fine. Like you said, with stones, with, with it not being like a whole turnover, I think yeah. we'll be okay. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. If you lost stone at the same time, it's like, yeah. what, what are we doing? Why would, yeah. why would we even tune in? But, um, I, the other, uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about real quick was, uh, big news. Sox Fest 2025. It's coming back. The, the Sox did just have last week a season holders event at the field museum. So if you were a full season ticket holder, you're able to attend this event. I did see pictures on Twitter. Um, rather you know, elitist, not to yeah. let not to let the the bleacher fans in or anybody else. Yeah, like, look, to be a season ticket holder. Look pretty underwhelming. Uh, the event. Um, yeah, do they have players there? Yeah, or? yeah, players okay. were there. Grafal was there. Uh, Stony was there. Um, they use that as a platform to announce that Sox Fest is coming back. It's been a four year hiatus now. Yeah. But I'm calling this the. No, it's more than that. They canceled it in 2020. They must have. So it's been yeah, like, COVID. It's been yeah, five years. It's been five years. I'm calling this. Wow. Diver- I'm calling it Diversion Sox Fest, though. It's Diversion Ooh. Fest because conveniently, the theme and the focus on of the event is celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 05 championship. Okay. So all the 05 players are going to be there, and it's going to be all this pop and circumstance. So move. let's bring Soxfest back, but we don't have to address any of the current issues because <laughs> we're going to be celebrating a championship from 20 years ago. That is yeah, fucking brilliant. It, it is brilliant. Brooks, that is brilliant. Brooks Boyer does it again. Yeah, you're um, onto him. I think you're totally yeah. onto him. That's perfect. Yeah, so we'll have to wait another five years for Soxfest when it's the 25th anniversary. <laughs> they do it um, every five years. Every five it. years. It's almost like the Olympics. Yes, yes. So... <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I've never gone to Sox Fest. I'm a huge Sox fan. I've never gone to Sox Fest because Oh really? I, I assume really, you had been. I've had zero interest in like standing in line to get autographs, being in like a large group of people who are generally miserable. Like it, it just sounds super unappealing to me. Yeah. I, like I don't like going to the auto show either. It just sounds like a, a great way to get catch an illness. <laughs> and, well, that's certainly what the Sox thought, or at least they said <laughs> for five years. But so they're so worried this year they couldn't do it for anyone else besides the season ticket holders. But to be honest, I've never been to a Cubs fest. I was never interested when I was living there. I could have easily attended, but I chose not to. So yeah, sucks going anywhere in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the but... other part. It's in the. I mean, I know you have to have it in January. I mean, and it gets you hyped up before like spring training starting and pitchers yeah. and catchers are reporting. But it's like. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just good. I'm good. But- I've never been to a Tigers Fest. Uh, I mean, I live 90 miles from Detroit, so it was never all that convenient anyway. But yeah. I do have to say, I have been to two different fests of teams. I went to the A's Fest Whoa. in Oakland, held at the Coliseum itself. I actually rode my bike there from Emeryville, California, to whatever neighborhood that is in, in Oakland. That was a harrowing ride, but and I have actually attended a Giants Fest the same that same winter. Uh, I took the BART over from really from the East Bay right right to uh, back. It was certainly not Oracle Park then. I forget what it was, AT and T or something Act like Bell. that. They had a there's like a it was kind of like a big loading dock area right next to the stadium on the other side of McCovey Cove where they had uh-huh. their festival. So I checked that out because. 
I was living there for 11 months and didn't hardly know anybody. So I was finding ways to kill time and going to, going to those fests was nice. It's actually beautiful out of course, because it's the Bay area, California. So it's a very, very different feeling than going to a festival here in the Midwest. But so yeah, kind of ironic. I've never been to a Cubs or Tigers fest, but I have been to a Giants and Ace festival. Interesting. Especially the Giants fest. But. Yeah, it was cool. Um, before we get into the most important debate we will ever have in this, yes. this podcast, I do have to throw some shade towards uh, Yo-Yo, Yoan Mankata. Oh, okay. And, and here's why I'm throwing shade. Conveniently, well, I mean, we are in his contract year, right? He's he's going to get Final paid, year of his extended deal by Rick Hahn. I think he's being paid 20, million, 21 25. Or, yeah, I think it's 24, 24, 25. Yeah, maybe. It, it's a lot of money for someone who's not worth that amount of money based on his performance. But I, I did find it interesting um, that he had this quote the other day that, and I'm going to read the quote, and then we're going to make fun of it. I'm motivated. I think Ugh. God has saved something special for me. Really? You're fucking motivated in your contract? Now you're here? motivated. Yeah, now you're motivated. This is Docking. the reason that Smitty has mocked the idea of giving unproven players long-term contracts. Mm. We'll see what his take is on it in a little bit. This might come up a little bit later. Uh, because there's no motivation to perform if, if right out of the gates you're signed to these long-term deals. And granted, Mankata was the number one ranked prospect in all of baseball was at the time but he has never performed anywhere near i mean it's questionable if he's performed within a i guess he has performed within a top 100 prospect but but it's only pockets of time and he's been unable to remain healthy but i bet you i bet you smitty that he will be on the fucking field in the final year of his contract which yep. could be really good for the white Sox. 150 plus fucking games this year. I picked him infamously to be the AL MVP last season. Based, I on... think I think you should do it this year. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was a year early, but I I got all I got all glassy eyed watching him being a motivated player in the World Baseball Classic, dominating. Yeah, uh, I assume that was going to continue throughout the 2023 season, and clearly it did not other issues that your your socks had but a motivated yon mancada could be a deadly yon mancada so i think yeah maybe maybe i will look into when we get to our preseason predictions maybe i will revisit the yon mancada al mvp <laughs> i mean i mean usually if we guess things the same way enough we might get it right although i'm off the padres <laughs> i'm off the padres for the world series yeah, how I'm, could I'm, I'm all, I, I gotta stop off, too we're, yeah we're off we're off it <laughs> Um, I did. Yeah. It did work out well. Uh, my reverse j or my jinx of the White Sox picking them to make the World Series. Well, you win, win the division and make the World Series. And that you know, I, I don't up. think they need any aid in not making the World Series this year. So <laughs> I think I think you can just get off of that. Spoiler uh, alert: yeah. I will not be picking them to go to the World <laughs> Series this year. Sorry, but we're we're a few episodes ahead. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I, I mean, he's literally reporting to. I just got to throw this in there. He's literally reporting with the pitchers and catchers he's reporting at the same time that is motivation right there. Yeah. That's, what, that's what motivation looks like right there show show yeah. up early 
It, it, I mean, it's cool that he's saying that. It's unbelievably transparent why he's saying that. I mean, yeah, I think, it's, he, I think it's shitty. I don't think he maybe there's a language barrier or something that he realizes like how easily it is to see through what he's been doing in the previous years, not being motivated. But I don't know. Uh, good luck to him. Good luck to your White Sox. All right. Are you ready for this? Well, speaking of World Series, uh, I think I saw maybe three weeks ago, two weeks ago, somebody posed the question on Twitter. Who would win? What's what's the better team between the 2005 White Sox and the 2016 Chicago Cubs? And it's such an obvious question. I can't believe you and I have never discussed this directly in our personal time hanging out or uh, certainly on this blog podcast, we've had what 14 years. To, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is what it's, about the, well, by the way, this is it. what it's come to now. Like we, we have to discuss this because <laughs> there's nothing else worth truly like talking about with these teams. There's not a whole lot of positive stuff at, of the team themselves. There's, Maybe positive moment. things happening outside of it, but yeah. the actual teams that are being assembled at the moment, it's not. Yeah, the Cubs have, great. have had another dormant uh, offseason, which we'll get, get into after this. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of other things to talk about. But this subject came up and I I couldn't believe we hadn't discussed it. I think it'd be very fun for you and I to actually. We don't we don't just dis- disagree on much these days. Uh, so it'd be good for us to have a, a, a healthy debate. Uh, which which team would actually win a World Series, the 2005 White Sox or the 2016 Cubs? Um, and we we put no no stipulations in how these arguments need to be formed. I had my ideas. We were partying last weekend, as we mentioned, and or a couple weekends ago in the Chicago suburbs. You said you had a stack of statistics to back up your argument. I have a a few here that I'd like to discuss, but I'll I'll, I'll give you the floor if you want to start start this debate uh where right. where, where do you land <laughs> i'm shocking development i'm gonna go the Sox beat the cubs what i know i can't believe you would and, say that and here's the reason why all right white Sox world series ops 847 cubs world series ops 720 Sox average five runs a game the cubs average 3.85 runs a game the Sox starting pitching in the World Series was a 2.63 ERA. The Cubs was a 3.43 ERA. The Sox whip was a 1.112, and the Cubs pitching was a 1.24 whip. Dunzo. <laughs> wow. So your argument is based on a seven-game span sample size. That that's what. That's well, only what a four. For, only four for the White Sox, but I can I can walk. <laughs> I can walk through the 11, st- 11 games is what you're basing this on. I can walk you through the entire series. No, I get, I get, I, I will, I will see you as to why the Sox would still beat the Cubs because you can take the regular season records, but they don't mean anything. Once you get to the playoffs they're, they're <laughs> They also don't mean anything when they are 11 years apart. So, yeah, but uh, it doesn't mean anything when you get to the playoffs, like how well you performed in the regular season. It's how well you perform in the playoffs. And the White Sox dominated the playoffs. The Cubs struggled through it a little bit. And 
we both me, won. It, we both won eleven games. We can agree upon that. Well, somehow, somehow we both came to eleven. So, uh, I just I'm gonna just completely blow your argument out of the water with the sample size argument because you're you're talking about a total of eleven games as you corrected me. That is a hot streak. You you guys enjoyed the hottest streak of hot streaks at the absolute perfect time. Now I'm not I'm not denigrating your achievement. You are the World Series champions forever. I don't want to say you are not worthy. The 2005 White Sox are the best postseason team I think maybe ever. That is a hot streak though, and that is a the definition of a small sample size. So I don't want to give my give my argument away, but I, I wanted to do a blind taste test for you, so to speak, the Pepsi challenge, as we used to call it when we were kids. I don't know if you recall that or anyone listening to this podcast, what, what the Pepsi challenge was, but they posed a commercial, a series of commercials where they just had people uh, drink two different sodas. They had no idea that the cans were covered up. You had no idea what you were drinking. Uh, they just ab- absolutely asked people to choose if they like Coke or Pepsi They'd just by a blind taste test. And by overwhelming numbers, believe it or not, Pepsi won. Are you a Pepsi fan or a no? I fucking think Pepsi sucks. I I think Pepsi is mediocre. I don't really drink regular soda. I drink Coke Zero. Is all. Yeah, Pepsi Pepsi is like flat. It tastes flat to me. It always. I don't. Yeah, I love Coke Zero. That's basically all I drink. I've had Pepsi's version. What are they? Pepsi One or I don't know what. Pepsi's yeah. There's Pepsi Zero now or something. Everything's a zero now. Everything's a zero. Mediocre, but. So I would have failed that challenge at the time or whatever was going on in the eighties when they were doing this, somehow Pepsi tasted better than Coke, but maybe this will throw you off. Cause I'm going to give you the, the blind taste test between team a and team B. And, and what, what, what is the sample size of this? This would be 162 ball games, but that does not determine the playoffs. It's insignificant. That's not insignificant. I'm yes, it is who, insignificant. The, team, the best. You're not going to let me t- do my argument. I, well, You're I'm already butting in. I'm just Jesus. telling you. Go ahead. Give it. I know the Cubs have a better. The Cubs finished one and two. They finished one in um, pitching and three in hitting that year. And the Sox finished uh, 10th in hitting and fourth in pitching. I'll give you so, the like, actual- I, I know, I know the Cubs numbers. are a better regular season team, but that doesn't make them a better postseason team. That doesn't make them a worse postseason team. I mean, it just doesn't. So I'll, I'll just give you the numbers here. Then. I won't even do, give, make you do the blind taste test. As this has clearly irritated you. The Cubs runs 808. Sox, 741. That's a 60, that's a 67 run uh, differential, which uh, is another thing you don't like. The team OPS Cubs were 772, Sox 747. Yep, got that right here in front of me. Team ERA Cubs were 315, Sox 361. Here's back to the run differential. Cubs were a whopping 252 plus run differential, Sox a respectable 96. And of course, wins. White. The White Sox had 99 and the Cubs had 103. That's negligible, but that's probably my weakest argument. But I, I, you and I are just going to disagree about hot streaks versus large sample size because I think it's clear that the White that the White Sox are an inferior team to 
the 2016 Chicago Cubs in the regular season, but not in the postseason because the White Sox. Did you do you realize in the ALDS against the um, how many innings did a White Sox starting pitcher pitch in the ALCS? Will that happen every time they play in the postseason? Clearly not. How, how many? How many how, innings how did a reliever? Two you take thirds, a larger sample size to figure out what what would translate in a in a future. No, no, you don't. You I just the, did. No, you take when the competition is the toughest. <laughs> you take the smallest sample size possible. That proves nothing. It proves out every year when a wild card team wins the fucking world. I'm Series. saying your hot streak would not is not guaranteed to happen every time you play in the postseason. I'm guaranteed, but how can you say it's not going to happen with the 2005 team? How can you say it will? Because I've saw it happen. Because I saw it. You saw it happen one time in a right 11, with the 2005 game. Yes, and I think it would not be enough to overcome all the stats I just gave you of the Chicago White of the Chicago Cubs. So but the Cubs did not produce the those. The Cubs did they not produce pro- those stats at all in the playoffs. They did. They did no, they enough didn't. to win the goddamn World Series. What are you talking about? Okay, let's You're remove. You're acting like they were a shit team in the World Series in the, throughout the playoffs. Hey, they were hey. not. They won the exact same number of games you did. Well, everyone went. Yeah, but how many games did they play to get there? We only played <laughs> eleven games. Well, we played five more than you did. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. you had a you, seven game World Series. We so had a four. So you're five games, five games better in in, in a we, short we, sample we, size we, hot streak. We, we are in the I proved top, it for six months. Six months top, of every stat possible. I would give it to you if three, any of those stats were in the top stats. three of all time most dominant. Yes, I'm giving you that. You're arguing the same point that I've already exceeded. It's meaningless to this debate. No, it's not meaningless. You're it taking. Is. You're. I'm taking. You're, they you're reasonable saying the same size. team in the regular season shows up in the postseason, and that has been proven time and time again. To be insignificant, and I'm saying yes, you were better in the in the postseason than you were in the regular season, but that was wouldn't be enough to overcome how good the the Chicago Cubs were in 2016. Uh, no, not true. <laughs> Statistically, <laughs> okay. it's I think we could stop from the playoff numbers that that is not a fact. That actually, you're wrong. I just you're you're just refuting something that it's impossible to refute. So I think we could just. I knew this is going to happen. Where we're going to end up, but I think you made your point. I made my point. We'll let the listeners decide. Maybe we should put up a poll. Do we can we get a poll on uh maybe can I put a poll on a YouTube segment? I don't think I'm I can. Not, I'm not positive on the YouTube. Well, I can poll. when I post it on Twitter. So I'll I'll post it there. Like who who would win this or who won our argument at least? Because I mean, uh people will be have their biases before they even uh see this post, but I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything else you and I could say because I think we're already going in our in a circle. But I agree. Let's move on. <laughs> it's about time because we haven't had any any kind of debates. We kind of just both have been piling on the White Sox for the last couple of years. Well, I mean, I'm not going to live in some fucking dream world. That I've been piling shit over there. So. I've been piling on the Cubs for years. I think you might re- remember. Well, sort of. My God. You uh, did not have the reality that they were not going to make the playoffs last year, as I did, but. I picked them to win 77 games last year. What do no, you, what do you but when, when we were down the stretch, you had drank the Kool-Aid by that point. 
Well, and they they came one one game short. So I mean, congratulations to you. You you win that. So yeah, I do because one I mean, game short still means you're not in the fucking playoffs. But so. to characterize me as Pollyannish because I came one game short, that's stupid. So congratulations. Okay. Well, thanks for calling me stupid. Let's move on. I said that stupid. Your argument. I mean, you're not stupid. I'm gonna cry. I wouldn't do a podcast <laughs> with you if I thought you were stupid. I'm Come I'm on gonna, now. I'm joking. <laughs> All right, let's move on to your. Hubby Blues. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stinks? And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Yeah, I mean... I was going to say the Cubs are still hibernating, but they did sign Hector Neris, a 35-year-old reliever for, from the Houston Astros. Um, I'm doing a one-year, $9 million deal. That's fine. He's a third-tier bullpen guy. Um, great. If that was the seventh move they had made to address the bullpen or other issues they had with the squad, great. But he's not. He's the first move they made to address the bullpen that was responsible, mostly responsible for the collapse that happened in September that you and I were just referencing. And Cody uh, Bellinger. Well, yeah, that's part of it too. But the bullpen was out of gas by the end of the season. They have done this one move to address it at this point. Uh, Neris is, he puts up 70 innings every year. <laughs> which is awesome. I think he's he's going to be a good addition if Father Time hasn't caught up with him. As I mentioned, he's 35 years old. We'll see if he can still be as productive as he has been throughout his career. You, you, um, you got to have speculation on that. Like I've seen the White Sox do this move and it's it's backfired more than a few times for them. I don't mind if it backfires because um, it's a one-year deal, $9 million. Who gives a fuck about Ricketts $9 million? But if this is the, all they're going to do with the bullpen, that's what I'm nervous about. They they need to make multiple moves. They should have been making larger moves before this point to address that issue. As more and more free agents tick off the board, the one I mentioned in our last show, Josh Hader, signed with the aforementioned Houston Astros. A monstrous deal that I did not see coming. I don't know. Did you see five years, $95 million? No, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna like the end of that contract. I don't think they are either, but I wouldn't mind even but, but at if the, the Cubs it, had done that. Yeah, I would I, say I, now you're yeah. acting like big boys. They're just gonna yeah. they're gonna fucking deal with it at those last two years, potentially even more. They could be hating it. They can absorb it. We've proven, we've talked about this over and over again. All it is is money, and especially with a reliever, even if he's not producing. He's it sucks to have him on your roster, but you just absorb it. I think his production will be tremendous over the next several years. He's just turned 30, but he's going to be benefiting the Houston Astros, one of the teams that need it the least. Uh, it's just that was just a shocking deal. But when you when you see terms like that, that is something the Cubs could have done. They simply chose not to because they refuse to act like big boys. They 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 are a big market team acting like a small market team. This has been well-documented. Others that have signed that have been linked to the Cubs, uh, Reese Hoskins signed with division rivals, Milwaukee Brewers. When that fucking happened, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, like it looked, 
the stories were all trending that like the Cubs were on it. The Cubs were on it. The Cubs were on it. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. And, and, and like if he had signed with like someone out of the division or something, that would have been like whatever. But the fact that he signed with the Brewers means that someone dropped the ball somewhere from the from the Cubs standpoint. The it's a two-year, $34 million deal. It's not even that bad. The irony is that's exactly twice what they gave to Cody Bellinger last year. One year, $17 million. Yeah. I so mean, the Brewers can somehow step up and do this, but the Cubs can't figure it out. They're, they're, I'll get I'll get back to Bellinger because there is there is reasoning behind that. We've we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, no, the Bellinger the Bellinger deal was solid. I well, think. I'll just talk about Bellinger now. I mean, yeah, that, that deal is great. One, like we always say there are no bad one year deals. What he's potentially looking for now is seven or eight years, two hundred plus million. That, that that's that's that that they. It would be dumb if that's where they're going to put their money. And that's why I've been totally against signing him for that kind of deal from the beginning. I mentioned that before the season even ended last year. So that's a non-starter. But what what in the Cubs' defense and Jed Hoyer's defense is I've been raking him over the coals for the last several years and even more this year with his inactivity. And we talked about this last show. He He doesn't want to bid against himself. And I don't blame him. There's no reason to do that as it has now been reported by Bob Nightingale of all people, but it's been reported that there have been no offers across all of major league baseball for the services of Cody Bellinger to this point. So why would the Cubs be in any rush to go offer him some crazy deal if they don't want to? Why, why not wait until his price comes down for whatever Scott Boris is asking right now. It has to come down at some point, especially if no one, no one is biting. Uh, I don't blame Jed Hoyer for sitting on his hands this long, specifically with Cody Bellinger. I blame him for sitting on his hands, not signing others. Certainly the bullpen is something he could have been addressing all along, not waiting till this week to do it. Uh, Bellinger has been, there's been reports that Bellinger wants to be a Cub. His families, they love being in Chicago. They want to return. Uh, it makes sense. He certainly had a renaissance here in Chicago. I could see them doing it. Again, That we, you and I have talked about the myriad reasons why that might not be a great idea. Uh, why his, you know, his overall numbers might be a bit of a mirage from 2023 because of yeah this precipitous drop in September where he was blown away by velocity. Uh, and his track record is so sporadic, you know, going from an MVP candidate, an MVP to one of the worst hitters in baseball over, over his time with the Dodgers. So I would, I'd be fine again with a short term, maybe even high money deal. Cause again, who gives a fuck? It's, it's Ricketts billions to spend even if they give him a bunch of money and he doesn't perform, they can, they can deal with it. If it's a short-term contract and doesn't, doesn't bottle things up. So right. I, the more time passes, the less I get, get upset about Hoyer not pulling the trigger on a Bellinger deal. I didn't want him to begin with, but it, this actually helps the situations. I think that the, those years come down. If, if not the, maybe, maybe the average annual value doesn't necessarily come down, but the years come down that that works in the Cubs and, and my arguments favor. There are still other options. Um, you don't have to hang everything on Cody Bellinger, but they are going away, like we said, with Reese Hoskins. Cubs certainly need a corner infielder still. Matt Chapman's still out there. You know, we'll we'll see what's going on. I don't I don't have 
nobody really knows what's happening with any of these things. They're all rumors, but I don't, I don't know that if he has an interest in the Cubs, what that might cost. I think that would be a pretty hefty price tag. I'm not sure. Again, you'd have to see the number of years. I don't like signing anyone to long, long year deals, but Chapman is a plausible alternative to Bellinger, but it sounds like the industry is starting to believe Bellinger is coming to the Cubs one way or the other. And I guess the longer this plays out, it, it works in the Cubs advantage. And, Maybe once, if that happens and we see the terms of the deal, I will have to capitulate and give Jed Hoyer uh, some kudos for for the way he negotiated this. But the way he's done the rest of this, this in the previous offseason is just driving me and most Cubs fans absolutely crazy. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, there was a, a trade rumor, and that, that's something that the Cubs could definitely be a part of uh, since they seem to refuse to be part of the free agency market. They have a deep farm system, as evidenced by the MLB pipeline top top 100 rankings that I'll get into, get into in a bit. But so it would make sense if they could if they want to address their needs with through trades. And one trade that was brought up was for Guardians closer Emmanuel Classe, or I've heard pronounced Classy. Pretty sure it's Classe, but he is not Classy, but. <laughs> Uh, I would love that. He's he's a fighter. I think he throws 103. Yeah, uh, he, he gets it up there. He's nasty. Uh, that would be interesting. Again, I have no idea what trade terms would would be, but there is there, it does make some sense. Uh, as Carter Hawkins was part of the Guardians organization before he became the Cubs general manager, there's got to be the, you know there's certainly relationships there where it would facilitate a trade a little bit easier than maybe some organ other organizations. So maybe that's where that speculation came from. I'm not sure how much uh, fire is behind that smoke, but that'd be a really interesting move that would potentially change my view of the Cubs bullpen situation going into 2024 as you would immediately become your closer. And that moves everyone back, back an inning, thus strengthening every level of your bullpen. So, there'd still be other moves that would need to be made, but that that's one area that Judd could surprise us in um, with in the, in the short time remaining before this season starts. So I did mention MLB pipelines, top 100. I don't know if you saw this, but the Cubs had seven members of the top 100, which is, I don't think it's unprecedented, but it is certainly the most, of any franchise at this point. It's the most of any list of the top 102 other okay. publications like ESPN just put theirs out. I think the Cubs had three or four. So it's, really it's that yeah. different. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I'm citing pipeline, but I'm, I'm mocking myself. If you let me get to this, cause I mocked you guys, uh, your white Sox. I believe it was 2018 where you're the number one ranked. Yeah. We had like seven. System. Yeah. I think it was seven or eight on that one too. Look at, look yeah. at where it got us. I called you the farm system <laughs> champions. You did all over, all over Twitter, over and over again. Social I mean, media on, on the air, whatever we are doing, it was everywhere. I have called my Detroit Tigers, the farm system champions, I believe of 2021 when they had yes. uh, yeah. such prospects as Mize and Scooble and Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson coming through. Uh, so I mocked my own team at the same time. And I am now once again, mocking my Chicago Cubs for being the 2024 farm system champions. 
um it's a fun thing yeah as you said prospect rankings are meaningless essentially yeah. they're also very very different based on publication that's what that's what i'm finding so strange though because it seems like it's like who's right we don't fucking know till they get to the ml till they get to the show right yeah you know? so like i i don't i think the cubs i mean i've i've read i've been reading for the last couple of years how they've been building a great farm system so to hear that they have seven guys is not surprising to me but then you go and read another list and i'm like well, i just don't i don't get it like i am that, that's top 100 i am seeing consensus throughout that their system is you know amongst the top yeah, and for least. sure, for their, sure, their yeah. system is deep. We're talking about that would be talking about depth versus talking about the top of it, which yeah. is that's one thing that was happening with the 2018 White Sox farm system. It was so top heavy, it didn't have the depth, and that's that's come out to play. So we'll see if the if the Cubs actually do have that depth. But that just comes back to the conversation about trades. That that might be the Cubs' strategy to. I mean, they still need to add at least one more starter. Uh, I would say a number two starter, preferably, which I don't know how many of those become available on the market. There's uh, a guy named Dylan Cease available. Well, that, that's something we might actually have to talk about. I think maybe that's next episode because I think the White Sox would be incredibly foolish not to trade him before spring training starts because if he gets hurt right now or before the season or during the season, they're holding on to that. I think that's a huge missed opportunity for a team that, I mean, um, we're not trying to be mean here. It's just, it's, they're not supposed, there shouldn't be competitive next year. Why would you have an asset like that that is expiring after next season on the roster when you could capitalize right now? You could lose all of that if he injures himself. So I think Dylan sees is going to become more and more of a conversation, certainly among Chicago baseball, but yeah, I mean, a Cubs a Cubs Sox trade is so fraught with you know history and vitriol and everything else. It's difficult to imagine, but it's not impossible. It, that seems like a matchup right there. Again, it's we could debate again how how that trade, the most famous recent trade, turned out. It didn't really work out for either of us when it comes down to it. But right, true. So that'll be fascinating. I think we can get more into that later. But speaking of farm systems, as I drone on and on and on, uh, the way we set this this up, I think we could have changed this a little bit. But it does dovetail nicely with recent Detroit Tigers news. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grabbed a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing on something. You know, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fittich on the show? The Tigers have but three of the top 100, according to the MLB pipeline. I'm sorry, they have four in the top 100, but three are in the top 25 which uh, is pretty substantial uh, with Max, Max Clark uh, first round draft pick last year and Jackson Job, one of the last first round draft picks of the Alvila era, but number 2022 or number 22 overall in MLB pipeline is Colt Keith, 
which you and I have not discussed a whole lot. I, I, I refrained from doing so last year, uh, even though it's, he was tearing up the minor leagues with 27 home runs. Um, didn't seem quite relevant until he became incredibly relevant this past week, where out of the blue, the Tigers made their first signing of a player who has never set foot on a major league ballpark field oh. uh, to an extended deal. When it was first reported, I almost spit out my beer because with fury, because when I first heard it, it was an eight year, no, it was a nine year, uh, $82 million deal. And immediately that made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And it's something you mentioned before that I have been railing against. I have been, I've raked Rick Hahn over the coals for doing for years uh, with so many of your, your prospects in the late 20 teens um, that specifically on Makata is the worst example of and We've seen how that has not, not worked out well to see the tires doing something very similar to that was driving me crazy until the real details came out where there's, there's only six years of that guaranteed. The money is $28 million. It is not, it is nothing like a nine-year, $82 million deal. It is a six-year, $28 million deal is, is the way you look at it. That's still plenty you know, plenty of money for Colt Keith. Um, not nearly the type of crippling deal that, that could derail a franchise that I, I have no interest in. You know, that's less than, less than just over $4 million a year. Even the Tigers, who do not have the same kind of coffers as the Chicago Cubs do, Still have plenty of money. That's not going to be an issue. If Colt Keith is a total bust, which would be surprising, uh, when it's certainly not impossible. Even if he was a total bust, that was that's money that the, the Tigers could easily absorb. That that's what that's that's where I get to with these long-term deals. I'm not interested in crippling deals that that the, the Cub that my my teams have to deal with. Cubs, Tigers, Tigers were crippled by the Miguel Cabrera deal. That is so different, though, uh, in with his extension, in that <laughs> he's he was essentially almost Hank Aaron with his career numbers. Uh, you, I mean, for the Tigers at least, on a, on a monetary monetary basis, they made that money back in ticket sales and everything else because everyone was going to his trying to pursue his three thousandth hit, his five hundredth home run. I was at those games. But giving it to a player that has never set foot on a major league field is it's unprecedented for the Tigers. I'm dubious about. Um, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a good player. I think giving him the money ahead of time is. I just. I don't know. I, I, I'm not gonna kill him. I'm not gonna kill Scott Harris for doing it. Um, I think to degrees, it's just not nearly the type of deal that Yohan Mankata got. You and I. You know, tried to make the comp earlier in the show. I don't see a comparison um, just because we're not like what Yohan Mankata is going to make this year is almost exactly what Colt Keith is going to make by the end of his six years guaranteed. Um, that's, that's where I draw the, draw the distinction. Um, yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I only saw the, the, 82 million number i was like whoa i wouldn't blame you if that was the deal i'd be i'd be flipping out right now yeah so 
the, and the, the fact that they're all club options, not like a player option. That yeah, it's like it's like a ten, like the seventh year is a ten million, ten million club option. Which if he's still, you know, at age he'd be age 20, 28, I believe at that point, ten million dollars seven years from now it would be like a five million dollar deal right now, which is again nothing. It escalates to thirteen and fifteen, but again, those are those are club options. Those are very friendly terms. Uh, yeah, I would I would say what the Tigers have essentially done and what I always um the reason I always uh liked the extension deals was if you if you are forced to work within a budget, you know, there's teams that aren't, you know, we see right. like the Dodgers, it doesn't matter. But yep. the the Tigers are working within a budget and the Sox whether they should or not are working within a budget. And what it did was it allowed you to avoid the arbitration issue where you you were you were you were risking you're risking a bit but this deal is not terribly risky but mm-hmm. the stocks risk a lot to be able to know exactly what the numbers were on the books going yeah. into this it made it easier to money manage the deals that Han did and if those guys hit, those all would have been team-friendly deals, but they just turned out the only team-friendly deal right now is the Lewis Robert deal. That is extremely friendly. You still have them for four more years. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, my, my criticism of Rick Hahn is specifically with the Yohan Mankata deal. It, he certainly did not uh, screw up the, the Robert deal nearly as bad. So, like Mankata, we brought it up at the time. It, both, you know, this Colt deal and Mankata, they – they, like as you mentioned, they bought out their arbitration years. The problem with the Mankata deal is you bought them out at the top of peak value. Yeah, you. They you didn't save any money there. No, was, they bought them out based on projections. They bought them out, and if and then I went through years later um, after that deal was signed and compared it to what the top team, top players in baseball were getting in those arbitration years. One was Chris Chris Bryant. And his numbers were basically, he got $20 million like the last year of arbitration. Of course, he's a World Series champion. He's a rookie of the year. He's a league MVP. So he would be the top of the arbitration market going forward. And Mankata got those, got that payment, those payments automatically without, without achieving those, those heights that Chris Bryant did. So that was my argument against against the Rakan plan and that certainly certainly failed him but I guess that's the difference with this uh, trying not to be a hypocrite here and pointing out the differences uh, just the sheer dollars essentially five million a year throughout his arbitration years if if Colt Keith is a complete bust that doesn't kill the Tigers if he's a decent player which he's projecting to be it could be a steal so it's a low risk high reward. Yeah, Keith is 22 years old. Uh, he, the, the thing is with this announcement and the excitement over it, he has to be the Tigers opening day starter at second base. It would be such an embarrassment if he flames out this, this spring and can't make the major league roster after skyrocketing through the minor league system uh, up to triple a uh, for the second half of last season. If he can't make somehow does not make the opening day roster as the starting second baseman, it, this would already look look bad. And that, that that's all the Tigers are really risking is 
just a PR perception because it would look bad. Uh, it does not cripple the organization, I guess is, is my overall point. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the reason the Mankata contract looks extremely bad too is this last year, like you said, it's $24 million. And He's going to earn that. it though. He's motivated. So. Yeah. The average, the average, you know, it goes 14 million goes against the books because okay. part of part of that contract is a club option of 25 million in 2025. So he's not going to, he's again, I still think he, he got $17 million last year. He did not deserve 17 million. He got 13 million the year before and 6 million in, in 2021. Right. So and the other, like, the, the other argument is, Rickon did multiple deals like that, and they, you know, one no, is really, right. one is really paid off, and that's that's ultimately what cost him his job is because only one of those paid off. Yeah, the rest of true. them crippled the organization. So yeah, that's that's the situation. But it does foretell maybe this is the 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 Tiger's strategy going forward, and he's going to sign more players to these deals, thus putting him in the same type of jeopardy Rickon put himself in. Not if he does it like he just did this one. I well, mean, there's a there's the, I, the only to your risk point you have, though. There's the only risk you have is that idea that you've always said, and now that I've seen it happen to my team, I have to agree with it that you people are motivated by mm. by a paycheck, and if you already got paid, it can be yeah yeah. If you already got paid, then. It brings up brings up my next question: What does this mean for Torkelson, who just hit thirty home runs as a major leaguer? What does this mean for Riley Green, who hasn't twenty four million dollars a year, baby? Well, <laughs> yeah. What do they think about this? Are they yeah, pissed that, that they I gave think... a deal to Colt Keith, but they didn't, or maybe they didn't want these this kind of deal? Maybe maybe they maybe the Cubs or maybe the Tigers did come to them with this this kind of deal and they rejected it. I don't know. Maybe this is the first player, first top prospect they could get to do it. I don't know. Maybe uh, Mikado really knew how average he was. Well, maybe he was <laughs> just more interested in the dollars and the the music and the, videos and, the music and everything videos. else. Yeah, I I think yeah, and everyone's different. Some players are self motivated. You know, they're yeah. not they're not necessarily motivated motivated by money. It's hard to say, but and I don't want to I don't want to sit here and say Mankata is motivated by money but based <sighs> on his his <laughs> comments he just made the empirical evidence is there and <laughs> comments just WBC last year is what drives me crazy what a world beater he was he he looked incredible when he was motivated to play for his country yeah and that did not translate into the into the regular season whatsoever but little little bit at the beginning but not not much after that he got injured like Two and a half weeks in, and the injured. Three, yeah, that seems to be the story of his career. But so we'll see with Colt Keith. I have no reason to doubt that he'll be motivated. I think he's be very motivated this spring to make the opening day roster, and the Tigers will be motivated to see him do that. Well, I think that is it for my Tigers. I'm dropping a a surprise Oakland A's segment. Woo! Las Vegas A's. Those fucking A's. I mean, he's the kind of guy who walks into a room. His dick has already been there for two minutes. Today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. Holy Toledo! I'm just saying. 
girlfriend is a six at bed. Fucking A. I saw an article this week. Uh, there's been several throughout. One, one written by Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, who's the most respected baseball journalist, I believe. I'll, I'll at least give him that crown. He, this wasn't specifically what he was talking about, but he was questioning, you know, what, what everyone's questioning, what, what the hell's going on with, with the A's? How, <laughs> how are they transitioning from the Oakland Coliseum eventually to Las Vegas to a stadium that doesn't exist? That won't exist until 2028. Meanwhile, their lease in the decrepit Oakland Coliseum or whatever the fuck it's called now runs out after this season. You know, meanwhile, all the, the approvals have been made. All, owner, all owners of Major League Baseball have approved the move from Oakland to Las Vegas. What the hell happens after 2024 is the question people are starting to ask or have been asking. Can the A's play, you know, in the Las Vegas, you know, AAA team there, uh, just outside of Vegas? Can they play in their uh, five-year-old facility? It is a magnificent ballpark. As I actually do the menu boards for the Las Vegas ballpark there. Uh, but that's a you know thirteen, fifteen thousand seat stadium. Is that suitable for a major league club? I'm not sure. Well, with what they've been drawing, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But is Sacramento a possibility in their AAA facility there? Uh, I know less about that. That seems a little bit dubious. <laughs> One option I've heard thrown out there is, would the Giants agree to let the A's play in Oracle Park there in San Francisco? Probably not. I think that would take a lot of, lot of hoops to jump through as those two clubs, as most ball clubs in the same city as we've seen don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things as there've been famous battles of territorial rights for decades. That's part of the problem why the A's haven't been able to build a new stadium is because the giants territory territory territorial holdings are so vast. They can't find real estate to actually uh, put a ballpark in. So that's, that's a small part of the issues there, but. I think that would be the number one solution, if if at all possible, play at Oracle Field, Oracle Park. Uh, I, I think that is probably the least likely of any of the scenarios. One scenario that was brought up this week, which I, I was astounded by and fascinated by, the idea that the A's could simply disband between 2020, the end of 2024 and the beginning of 2028. The organization would literally cease to exist. Uh, of course, that's a that's a crazy idea. But the more I thought about it, uh, the more it could actually be plausible, considering everything else that's been going on with the A's. Mind you, this this idea came from a website called the Sacramento SacTownSports.com, I believe. Did a little more research. That's actually a radio station in Sacramento, Sports Talk Radio, 1140 AM. Uh, so it's not just a, a crackpot podcaster, blogger like you and me. Uh, is someone with some media. It is a, an actual media medium uh, re- speculating this. They're not reporting this. Uh, but the idea, and this is where it's even more dubious, they, they, <laughs> they cited a 
Bay Area source said that the A's could disband after the 2024 season. And <laughs> <laughs> that just blows my mind. Like, it's like, all right, well, we're, we'll see you again in 2028. Like, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll get to that. But the Bay Area source, I mean, yeah. couldn't be any less credible. Technically, I lived in the Bay Area. You could from, be a source. From the end of 2024 through the fourth quarter of 2025. So I technically could be that Bay Area source. Ridiculous to to, to report things that way. But it's just speculation. Throw, throw another idea out there. It sounds ludicrous on the surface. But the more you think about it, owner John Fisher is the most frugal, frugal owner in all of baseball. We've seen this. That's why the term Moneyball exists because he forced Billy Bean to try to field a major league baseball club without spending money. Uh, that's a little bit forced, but we've seen that in the, certainly in this past season where it is not a major league ball ball club is not a major league roster that they're putting on the field. They have an embarrassingly low payroll. Well, what better way to save money and be frugal than to not even have a major league roster to pay for whatsoever. Why not just disband the A's wait for 2028 for when your ballpark comes online in Las Vegas. The way the speculation would work is they would have an expansion draft to repopulate the A's organization at the end of the 2027 season, which is hilarious. Uh, The idea that they would just go away and then just reform as an expansion team. But if you think about it, there is there's a lot of talk about a potential expansion of Major League Baseball in general back are up to 32 teams in the near future. And there's monetary reasons, uh, lots of reasons. This I believe this will happen sooner than later. Could 2028 be the right time to have an expansion draft, not just for two new teams, but a third team replenishing the Oakland A's and now the Las Vegas A's. So I I still think it's ludicrous, but I just, I'm floored by the idea that this idea is even out there, that the club could disband. And there, there's some, at least a a microbe of plausibility to this that I I thought would be fun just to at least bring up on the podcast tonight. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as as mine, but that I, I just love, I love the idea that it could just fucking go away and, and reform. So. Yeah, I mean that would that would be uh, that would set a new precedent in uh, baseball. <laughs> Maybe the Sox will just take a break too. Well, is it a new precedent though? The, the similar scenario, I guess you could say, in some aspects, would be contraction, which was discussed. I don't know, fifteen years, twenty years ago, with the uh, with the Twins potentially being contracted. Well, yeah, I mean, we lost like the we lost the Expos. Um, well, they were moved. I mean, yeah, that, that franchise didn't go away; they were moved. Um, but the the similar idea that the a franchise could just go away has been broached. The questions that I didn't bring up yet were, you know, what happens to the affiliates? <laughs> uh, I happen to be directly affected that by that because my business, my flagship client, is the Lansing Lugnuts, high A affiliate of the Oakland A's. So what what happens to the lug nuts if the A's just go away? What what where do you reshuffle all the you know there are 30 30 double A clubs, 30 triple A clubs, there are more high A and, and low A clubs. Um, where do those get redistributed if there's only 29 teams of baseball instead of 30? Yeah. 
So. I just I don't see it realistically happening. No, but I know. It's a funny it's, story though that because it does in a weird way seem somewhat plausible just because of the state of the organization. Yes. But just that this this idea could even be out there is yeah. amazing to me. And it speaks to how yeah. inept John Fisher and the A's are yeah. as an organization. I mean, you could even make shift the football stadium to to play baseball games in it in Las Vegas. No one's talked about that, but that well, and that, that's interesting. So yeah. They could be right back where they were, like just basically like playing in a in a football stadium again. Like but they, considering considering John Fisher's disdain for spending money, his disdain for his own fans, his disdain for everything, it, it appears. Would he be opposed to having his organization disband with, with the I would promise say, that it would I, come back? Well, I would say no, but only if he could still collect his $100 million stipend for not having a team on the field. Well, that's another question, too. I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that Ken Rosenthal actually brought up is if the A's do not play in the Bay Area, which is defined rather largely, but it does not reach Sacramento, uh, if they if they don't play somewhere in the Bay Area, they lose sixty seven million dollars a year of their D- TV deal with NBC NBC Sports California. Uh, That's off the table, so they're motivated to stay in San Francisco in the Bay Area at least. That's why the Oracle Park idea might might actually be more plausible than than we think. Um, maybe maybe some of that money is paid directly from the A's to the Giants to get this to happen because they will be missing out on that money. So even moving to San, San or I'm sorry, Sacramento doesn't solve that issue. Moving to Las Vegas creates a whole nother issue, you know, a new TV deal of some sort. So he doesn't have that money just dropping in his, in his lap as, as you might expect. Um, and that might be another reason disbanding could be appealing to a despot like John Fisher. We only have one segment left. I'd like to take a break. I think you need to take a piss. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> I've seen you kind of doing the nonverbals over there. Uh, I need to get a beer. I need to urinate myself. So yeah, we we're gonna we're gonna take a break and and come back for uh, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I like it. It doesn't matter. It. We split these up into different segments anyway. So I need it. How many people consume it this way anyway? So we will be right back here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? This is Pete from Major League A-Holes The Show, and are you enjoying our podcast? Well, if you are, why don't you show us some love and support us and get something in return at our new aesthetic shop. Do you like to annoy your inner town rivals? Then White Sox fans, why don't you buy a Rizzo Suck shirt or... You fucking A's fans, get a Posey Suck shirt from our Ass Face of the Franchise collection. You want to celebrate the legends of baseball? We got the hammer, the bird, the wizard. Oh, the great catfish hunter. As the great Hawk Carrollson used to say, he loved catfish. That's from our badass collection. Or do you want to just support your area? So you got the Northside, Southside, Motor City, and Bay Area collections. Again, all of this is available at aesthetics.shop. The official shit of Major League A-Holes. All right. We can actually enjoy this last segment. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm going to run through this fucking aesthetic so quickly. I sh- yeah. I should have stopped before the A's segment. That would have been a good space to stop. But... Yeah, it would have. <laughs> I should have just said something actually. Stop me. 
Not Somebody like, stop me. Not like not like you couldn't have edited it out at this. That's right. Point. I'm Lots trying. I'm trying. Um, the black. As we come back from break, I've switched to War Pig's Blinding Light Show. Blinding Light Show. Yeah. What is that? An IPA of some sort? It's an IPA with uh, bold citrus and tropical flavors. So that sounds hit. like a good IPA. Mmm. Delicious. I am still drinking my Surly Furious. Uh, out of Minnesota, the only good thing that's ever come out of Minnesota. Oh, let's not fucking get going on this because there's a lot of good music out of Minnesota, yeah, yeah. but someone's ears don't work correctly over in the Michigan area. Is that a Minnesota accent? I don't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> well, we came back. We're back. <laughs> we're back and we're comfortable. Yeah, now we're comfortable. That that last segment was a little Woo. rough. That was uh, a good. That was a good urination. I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> It's always better when you hold it longer, but yeah, we are back with our final segment. Uh, I thought it needed our due attention. Aesthetics. Hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fabulous. This might be the first aesthetics I wasn't really excited about because uh, no matter what, I want to talk about all the new uniforms that are coming out. So we've certainly focused on the Nike City Connect uniforms that have come out over the last several years. Uh, but there's several uniform changes that were re- you know released in the last couple day a couple weeks that are surprisingly all extremely underwhelming or to some degrees um i guess the the yankees announcement was a little a little bit cooler than the others that we'll discuss with the nationals and marlins but uh the yankees announced that they will be removing the white piping from their road uniforms which you probably never even noticed. Uh, they have probably the simplest road uniforms in baseball, just the grays with a block New York across the chest, a little bit of striping uh, piping on the sleeves. They are removing the white outline from New York across the chest and removing any stripes from the sleeves. There was a two blue stripes and a white stripe on their, on their sleeve on the ends of their sleeves before. What somebody pointed out is, and I didn't notice this at first, they look very plain when you when you see the renderings. And I think you've got the renderings up there. Yeah, I'm looking at them before. right now. Um, they're very plain, but what they actually recreate is the like 1950s, 1960s glory days uh, road uniforms that the Yankees used to have, you know, the days of Mickey Mantle and uh, Joe DiMaggio. That, that's, that's pretty much they're going back to what that looks like. Which I think is kind of cool. It's, I mean, as a designer, I've always said, and my aesthetic is always simple is better. Simpler is always better. Um, these are as simple as they get. They're not. They were already had the the simplest road uniforms in baseball. Now they're even simpler without any white outlines, any any piping whatsoever. So, I don't know. What did you think of the Yankees announcement? I could care fucking less. <laughs> it's like it's like so lame to me. I get it. I I. I you know, I get everything you said, but it's really just 
it's not even a new uniform. It's like we're going back to uh, old uniform. If they didn't, okay, fucking great. Who cares? Well, if they didn't make this announcement, I'm sure people would notice. But I'm I'm not sure you would have noticed, or you know, other other than designers like me or uniform honks. Uh, I don't think you would have even noticed. So I think it's cool just because it kind of goes back to the throwback flannel uniform era. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to give them two middle fingers down. I'm going to go one middle finger up just for the historic reference, one middle finger down just because they're, they're, they look boring as hell. And like, like I said, I don't think anyone's going to even notice that they made a change. What do you want to move to next? Uh, well, let's, what let's, do you got up there? Let's continue on the, um, the simpler changes. Let's go to the Marlins, which is essentially the Yankees change. It, except they have no yeah. history. And these are no, not, this is not they, a historic reference. Well, so. I mean, they've, they've won a few world series in there, right? No history. I don't, I, I refuse to acknowledge those world series, <laughs> especially one. Yeah. So they, from what I can tell, they changed their word mark on the color of the word mark on their home jerseys. Correct. It was a black, black on black, essentially was, was what their home jerseys were. They had a, uh, kind of a pinkish hue, uh, a magenta and a cyan blue outline around black lettering on a black right. jersey, which was admittedly difficult to see. And I think they figured out they needed to make the, the word mark itself white instead of black with the same color outlines. Um, yeah. That seems like an obvious. Seems like that should have always been that way. I'm not sure why they thought black. Whoop to do? Whoop to do is what yeah. I said in this one. Yeah, I don't need. I'm not sure that needed an announcement or a unveiling at their what, fish fest. I don't know what the fuck they call their their fan fest for the the Marlins. I believe they did introduce a new blue home mm. uniform, or like an alternate uniform that's got the similar white word mark across the front. Um. Great. Whatever. I don't, again, I think this is another example of an update to a uniform that if no one said anything, I'm not sure 95% of the population would even notice anything had changed. So this sense, it has no, no relevance to a glory oh. history. No, this, you got, this you got change, more information there. Yeah, there? Yeah, Breaking yeah. news. Actually, this change is only specific to the black Jersey. So that okay. one of the other pictures you sent me, there's, incorrect. there's the blue jersey, but that blue jersey contains the original black logo. Okay. All right. Well, now so the, you, you, you've, we've, we've now succeeded in, in the feat that I didn't think was possible is as annoyed and as bored as you were with aesthetics for the majority of this, of its existence of its existence. I am now equally bored with this segment. Yeah. Now that we've gotten to I'm this. Still, even with that information, I'm going <laughs> two middle fingers down. I am going two middle fingers down as well to you, right. Marlins, because you're ruining my own favorite segment, aesthetics. But fortunately, we have a third jer- uniform update to talk yeah. about. It's actually two new two new jerseys for the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Nationals released a new road uniform, yes. road grays with black lettering saying Washington, replacing the script Correct. Uh, Washington they had. I love the script. The the script Washington I thought looked great. They still have they still have the script it. Nationals as an alternate jersey, but 
I like the I, I don't like the block lettering for Washington. It's 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 not great. They also introduced a V-neck pullover, a white alternate uniform with blue sleeves. It has a different logo. I believe yeah. they've used this logo. I've seen it before, at least. I don't know where they use it. It's got the capital silhouette in the background with a W over the top. Yeah. It's on the left chest. Um, it, it's being used on a jersey for the first time. Okay. It must have been. An, maybe it was a sleeve patch. I, I've seen it before, at least. But yeah, on on the jersey, who knows? But uh, the, the idea that it's a pullover, a V-neck pullover, that's kind of a throwback idea to the 70s and 80s. Um, I don't know. Are there any other teams that are doing pullovers? I don't think so, but I I fucking love it. I okay, think the jersey is sharp. Okay, we're back. Aesthetics yeah. is back because you're fired yeah. up about it. Yeah, the, the arm patch, <laughs> the arm patch has the DC like interconnected oh, with the city silhouette on it. Okay, I've got I've got comments about that specifically. They've used that DC interconnected D and C logo. They've had it on hats before. I always thought that was super cool. That could have been yeah. a primary hat logo for a long time. It's at least worthy of a sleeve patch, but the shape of Washington DC in the background. I had no idea that was the shape of Washington DC. I know when I look at it, I'm like, oh, what is this? I oh, am that, that, what a weird it's very blocked. It's yeah, that's what's crazy about it. As as a I mean again, it has three not... three of the points, like three of the sides are just straight lines. Perfectly straight. Yeah. It's it's I think I've ever seen a state like that. As a graphic design dork, I also like maps <laughs> if we're going to get as nerdy as we possibly can cartography is a is a interest of mine somehow it escaped me the shape of washington dc it's just not very famous so you wouldn't really know what it, what the shape is but i i i guess i recognized it I, I understood that they were doing with it I, I understood that it was the shape of the, the city or the district itself so district I of columbia i think it's pretty cool i, I like that part of it too what were the other? They I sent you a thing with a couple of details about about. Well, the, the other thing was just that it was the first V-neck pullover Nationals team history. That's where I'm curious if other teams have done this. I don't remember talking about this. I don't remember seeing it. Um, I'm wondering if this is now the new trend. If this is either the beginning or uh, the start of a new trend where we're gonna we're gonna start everything retro is cool. Everyone knows that, and the thing we haven't seen a ton of clearly is the retro pullover craze come back to baseball. So if this isn't the first, I wonder if this is the start of a new trend that we're going to start seeing V-necks throughout baseball. So that makes me wonder, like the Tigers did have some really cool V-necks pullovers. Yeah. Back back in their heyday, really, when they were winning World Series, not just going to World Series. Uh, 1984, they had a Navy pullover with, uh, orange, white, and navy stripes around the cuffs with a big, uh, the old Detroit D, old English D. Um, that we might be seeing as the Tigers are rumored to be having a Nike City Connect jersey in the next couple of years. Not this year, unfortunately. Uh, did the Sox ever have a pullover? Oh, you don't know the pullover jersey? I'm sure we talked. We did a whole history of White Sox uniforms for a while. The pullover really jersey, the most fa- the most infamous pullover jersey, is the softball jersey that Chris yeah. sailed to to chop. You, of course, you're right. I think of that as a category unto itself, with a collar and it's untucked. It's not cuffed. Uh, 
I think of the I think of the pullover as having a like an elastic band at the bottom and around the arms. Um, so yeah, I guess I, you're I right. Think, I think they had a right. robin egg blue one that was like that. Okay, it's hard to keep up with the myriad uniforms you've had over. Oh, years. actually, the actual SOX, the 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 eighty three. That is yes. That, that, you, that is that is okay. The so you've been color. wearing a well, yeah. We've been remiss this whole conversation. Yeah. You have been wearing the pullovers for several years now. Is yeah, uh, for Sunday, Sunday baseball game. Yeah, yeah, Sunday uniforms. Yeah. So, so you guys, of course, started this trend. Of course we maybe, did. I mean, they, they are one of the best-selling, highest-selling uh, SOX socks hat. I mean, they made a yes. fucking documentary about it because it, it it's fucking historic. So We were going to do a whole segment about that documentary. We never did. Well, it's like 22 minutes and not that great but no you watch i didn't watch all of it so i was yeah uh, you and i haven't talked about it. i was thinking that could be next week's aesthetic segment if, but sounds like you're not even interested in that no i i could i'd watch it again and talk about it. it's interesting the relation to him. all right it, i'm i'm in i'm in all right for, we, then we've got homework then i gotta go watch that and you gotta rewatch it and we've got another aesthetic segment hopefully it'll be more interesting yeah. than this one well I, I gotta i gotta say i'm gonna i'm you know Here's what I don't mind about the Washington away jersey. I admit, I'm with you. I love the script. It was but, red. It was red script with a blue outline. It's just a classic baseball script. Yeah, on a yeah. gray uniform. It was perfect. They didn't need but, to fuck with it. But I like the idea that they're essentially doing. They're they're trying to pull off a Yankees here with the road block lettering. Yeah. And then you keep the home, you know, the Yankees have the NY obviously sure. on their home Jersey, but then they'll have the nationals in the script font still for when they're at home and uh, not wearing this V neck Jersey. But so I'm not, I don't hate it. I don't should... hate it enough to split my middle fingers on this one because I so love the V neck Jersey. Okay. Wow. You're giving it two middle fingers up. I'm going two middle fingers up after I've been given four middle fingers down. <laughs> that that's impressive for you. Uh, I am gonna buck tradition. I'm gonna go one middle finger down, one middle finger up because I, again, I don't like the block block lettering in the road. Honestly, I don't like the look of the pullover. The pullover, it bothers me. The blue sleeves and the white. I, I don't know what 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 it is about. I don't think it looks that great. I don't think that capital silhouette is that great with the W. Something Ooh. about the W being too plain. I like it. I don't. Really, I actually really like the interlocking DC and the and the shape of this of the district behind it. That could have been a really cool primary logo on the chest. Um, so that's that's why my vote is split. I don't like their execution of the pullover V neck, but I like the idea that the pullover v-neck is coming back that they're trying to help resurrect that with your white socks is also so so that's why i my i have mixed feelings mixed middle fingers over it but it was just, actually this became a more interesting conversation <laughs> than, I, than i than i thought it would be so we have resurrected aesthetics uh we might have an aesthetics next episode talking about the white socks uniform documentary I do have one final question regarding your White Sox before we close this show. Oh, God, really? With a shot spotter alert here at the uh, baseball park tonight. Are you going to find these guys? Or, you know, I mean, you got any promising uh, 
42-year-old woman shot in the leg, and a 26-year-old woman grazed in the abdomen. Lead? Yeah, sure. Police are still investigating. They haven't come to a final conclusion. I'll uh, just check with the boys down at the crime lab. But we have done a lot of investigation. We have gathered a lot of facts. They uh, got uh, four more detectives working on the case. Regardless of what has been said in the past, I see virtually no possibility that the gunshots came from within the ballpark. They got us working in shifts. <laughs> Lead. The gunshots the other night came from outside the ballpark. Did they solve that shooting mystery at Park? <laughs> no, uh, Gunfgate continues to remain a mystery. It is going to go down in the lore of the JFK shooting. Is this why is this why you're building a brand new ballpark because you have to bury some bodies or something like to get rid of the evidence or what whatever is happening with this? Uh, <laughs> I'm possibly. I mean, it could be. It could be. I think, it could go that far. I think it's a great way to get people like make rumors of a new ballpark being built to get people to stop asking the question I just asked to forget about this shooting mystery. Here it must here, be solved. Here's going to be the million dollar question for right. this season. When I go to the ballpark this year, will the Sox have invested in the technology that the Cubs use? Yes. That, that actually all the major venues are starting to use where I can just walk through with my keys in my pocket and all yep. that. Cause it senses whether or not I've got gunpowder. Yeah, it's or... not a metal detector. It's yeah. an explosive detector. Yeah. Seems so, like a much better way to do things and a much now, more efficient way to do things as well. There's probably a little concern on the south side. You might have a, 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 a knife on you, maybe a shiv or something. So, <laughs> you know, wow. you got to, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you would have at least prevented Gunkgate from ever taking place. So. Guntgate or Fupa? Yes, that is my question. So I, I, I'll always I, I love I like Guntgate. It's got it's pretty nice, good. It's pretty good. I like the alliteration of it. Of the Guntgate <laughs> alliteration is good. Yes. My goal here is I'm going to ask this question every episode. My goal though is to catch you by surprise when you don't remember that I'm going to ask you this. Question. No, your your goal is to, <laughs> to wear me down to where I finally make a fucking phone do call your, to someone. Do your own and, investigative yeah, journalism and, and find like, the facts. I host a podcast. What is up with the shooter? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Peter M. Veneery from uh, MajorLeagueAholes.com. Uh, it's called Major League A-Holes. We're not going <laughs> to give you any information. This sounds quite reputable. What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, and in the hole? Yeah. What does that even mean? This is SoxTypeThing.com. That might, that might work better, actually. Yeah. SoxTypeThing.com. Yeah, that sounds that sounds a little better, but a little better. But A little better, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yes, the question remains. The truth is out there. Hopefully you or someone else, intrepid journalist, will find the truth uh, sooner than later. So until then, I will continue to ask this question. I may actually just fucking make a call just to shut you the fuck up. <laughs> I would love it. This would this would be perfect. This would be fantastic. I'm gonna have to put oh, on. Oh, dude, record the call. Can you record well, the call? You'd have to tell them uh, you're recording them. I guess. But uh, would you mind if I recorded this? Maybe I'll just make a walk down to the station. Yeah, just have your phone going. Just I'm gonna call Brandon Johnson's office because he he's 
you know, remember he was, the, I don't know if you remember this, but he was the one who like the, the super, the, the acting police chief made comments. And then he was like, shut the fuck up. Basically. I think Jerry shut those comments down too. So there yeah, was a concerted yeah. effort. Yes. One really? might say, one might call that a conspiracy. What? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to wait and find out. The truth is out there. Well, with that, I think we can wrap up this <laughs> first episode of February. I think. Oh, uh, thank God we stopped so I could pee. That made this last yeah. segment so much better. Yeah, this is, I feel great about this episode now. So I think we're two hours in at this point, but we had a lot of shit to talk about, mainly thanks to your White Sox. So congratulations over there. And it's yeah. not all negative. So that's the first time in a couple of years that we've been talking only negatively about your White Sox. So well done. Yeah, I mean, I think we established they would dominate the Cubs in the in the World Series. So, <laughs> with that, we will wrap up this episode number one hundred and forty. You can find us on social media at Major League Holes and at Sox Type Thing. You can find us on the web at or uh, and SoxTypeThing.com. You can find our merchandise at Aesthetics.shop. A S S T H E T I C S. This fucking beer is delicious, by the way. Yeah, I've had probably too many. Certainly Furious is at this point. But also check out our YouTube page, our burgeoning YouTube page, which is growing by leaps and bounds every day. So you can subscribe. Apparently, subscriptions help us if you do that over there. We get more subscribe, folks. Yeah, please subscribe. Like us. Don't like us. Just watch us. Listen to us. Whatever. So uh, you can also find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Woo-hoo. What's up? Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time.